On today's show, I have a special guest, Samantha Gibb. She has a brand new song out called Good Lovin'. We're going to talk about that and much more. But to get up to speed, Samantha has been creating a lot of good music for some time in different incarnations, including Luna Park, Samantha Gibb and the Cartel, the Gibb Collective, probably more I don't even know of. Uh, her <laughs> frequent collaborator is Lazaro Rodriguez, also part of the, the B... E or M E G Empire. And the one thing I have to add is uh, Samantha is a transplant from Miami to Nashville. And I think uh, she's really embraced that. In fact, so much so, she made a documentary called A Nashville State of Mind. So we've got a lot to talk about, Samantha. Welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. Boy, that you just reading all your accomplishments and band names is uh, <laughs> very impressive. <laughs> We've gone through a few, yeah. <laughs> you know, so many people have come to Nashville and, you know, it's not just, you know, country. There's a great alternative scene. But I'm curious, you know, you moved from a really cool place, Miami. You know, what drew you to Nashville? Uh, I think it was, well, what originally got me out here is my band and I were trying to, uh, we were just trying to play out more and and just get more gigs and stuff. And I was friends at the time. I mean, I, I had known for years uh, Doc McGee and Scott McGee from McGee Entertainment. They do like, he's Kiss is his big, uh, big artist still. But um, I spoke to them and they both recommended going out to Nashville and trying to do like a residency gig. So we were like, okay, you know, he told us about some great artists out there to connect with. And so like me and my band, it was like four other, other guys were just like, let's just go and check it out. Let's just try. So we went out and we set it up for a month and we met within the first night, we met like probably five of the different artists that were in the documentary and had a big jam session and just passing around a guitar. And it was just this incredible energy. And uh, the boys and I went back to our, air, uh, like, I, I guess, our, the house that we rented. They're, they weren't really Airbnbs then. <laughs> but yeah, uh -huh. it was this house we were renting. And we just all stayed up. We were all, like, up all night just talking. And we're just like, we can't leave. Like, we have to stay here. This is just amazing. So uh, we made that decision then that we were going to come back at the end of the year, uh, around after Christmas, and we were going to move. And that's when we, like, in 2007, I think we did that. So you kind of were ahead of the curve because even since then, it seems like it's grown even more. And it is such a mecca and not just performers, but songwriters. It seems like they have a really uh, special place there. Absolutely. I mean, it was definitely I mean, coming here was a huge I mean, just learning from everybody and seeing the amazing talent and like just playing these little little bars and clubs. And you're just like, what? You know, it just <laughs> blew my mind. It really kind of it really also. If you if you were gonna continue writing or keep making music, if you can't make it here, if you can't push through and get past, like, cause you got your critics like in the audiences, you know, like everybody is is watching. Even just the the kid that lives down the road is an incredible musician. So when you see them in the audience, you're like, you know, I hope I hope I impress them. So really, kind of, if you if you can push through it, then you're like, yeah, this is what I really want to do. Or you're gonna be like, yeah, maybe <laughs> I want to try something else. Mm -hmm. You know? well, I bet it's that feeling wherever you're performing, you never know if, you know, is Brad Paisley just going to show up in the audience or, <laughs> or Tony Brown scouting new talent. <laughs> yeah, 
yeah, it was, it's everywhere. It's crazy. It's very cool. Well, even though you're billed, you know, as a solo artist on the new release, it seems mm -hmm. like there's just, you know, band in your heart. Like you, you mm -hmm. seem like, like a, a band person. And then do you, do you feel that way? Like you like the camaraderie, the um, collaboration of a band? Yeah, absolutely. I, I am not com like, I'm not very comfortable just being the, the head or the lead of something, even with every band, it was, we all had a, you know, a voice in everything. And I, uh, yeah, I, I appreciated that. I liked, I like working with other people. I think, uh, thinking for me, just thinking that if you can do something with other people, I think it's always going to be better. You know, if you can work together on something, because then you're also getting these other concepts and you're not just, you kind of get out, you get out of your own way you know when you work with other people too i think it helps well when i first started listening to good lovin and watching uh the video mm -hmm. i think you, i think you did both a lyric video and then you know the the video with you there at the piano and you know the, the meaningful uh lyrics but Mm -hmm. I was trying to think, okay, on the lyrics, I was expecting this really peppy summer song, you know, good loving <laughs> on the beach. And then it, it turned out to be very serious and, and had a lot of um, relationship heartache. And But at the same time, you know, some empowerment. Of, I'm not going to put up with this. And I'm just wondering, you know, what what did you base this on? Was this a little cathartic for you? You know, it was, there wasn't like an intent, like when we started writing, uh, it was Laz and I kind of came up with the concept in the beginning of just, yeah, it was, we had the first line and it was, you know, there's no reason to be unkind. So it was just kind of this idea for that. And we ended up, uh, we, we did the song with a great, great friend. He's out in the UK called Jim Lawton. He's a really great artist, writer. He has a band called Electric Enemy. Very cool dude. And we did a Skype. And within like two Skype, like two hour sessions of two, uh, two Skypes, I mean, sorry, Zooms, we had come up with the whole song. And it was just when we started talking, we know we all, we kind of loved the idea of where it's, you know, because it's funny because people have asked, like, you know, when I'm saying you're not so, you know, effing special. Uh, I'm not sure if I can curse on here. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> you know, and in saying that, it's also, I'm saying that to myself, you know, it's just like, you know, like, I don't like no, no one's that special to tell somebody how to do something. Every, everybody's, everybody's just, just wants to be happy. At least that's what I want. Like, I don't need to be special. I just need to be happy. That's, you know, and I think growing up in the background that I come from with, you know, my dad, you know, being uh, in the, in the brothers and stuff and the Bee Gees, that really, I have a lot of, um, I guess there's a way that people kind of want me to make music or, or do things. And, I, I've kind of worked and figured out how I can find my place in that where I feel most comfortable in myself, you know, and I think that's where this song also, it spoke to me as we kept writing it, it unfolded into what it was. And I think all of us writing it with Laz and Jim and I, we all related in our own ways, whether it be, you know, you know, being told by a family member or being told by your friends or being told by a fan or whatever it may be, how to be or how to live your life. And then it also relates to, you know, so many things that I just believe very wholeheartedly in and I'm very strong advocate for, you know, like the LGBTQ and just being able to completely be yourself without being told what other people's ideas are of you. 
Well, the Evan special brought me back to the 90s in the song Creep. Yeah. <laughs> was that like a reference to that? No, it wasn't, but but I that's that's cool. <laughs> <laughs> Which uh doesn't Radiohead say, you know, you know when you have a really big hit mm-hmm. and then it haunts you and you have to play it. Well, I, I don't know personally. Concert. I haven't gone there yet. <laughs> well, I, ho- I, hope, I, I hope good loving will become your creep. So like Radiohead, you'll say, gosh, I hope I never have to play that in concert ever again. We always have to play that. <laughs> Thankfully, I really enjoy it. It's like with Creep, it's a great song, you know? So if, if you enjoy Enjoy the song and you like what you're saying then then that's that can help <laughs> exactly no I, I love the singers who say you know what yeah i sing this song a lot but you know what my fans love it and i love my fans and you know they made me successful so mm-hmm. I, even though this is like the 2000th time i've done it i mm-hmm. will happily sing that song that the fans love yeah absolutely well, that's why, I mean, they're, they're your fans because the, that was the music that got them started for a lot of them, you know? When um, you first started out, did you do a lot of covers? Um, You know, when we when I started playing out, we were definitely playing our own stuff, but always included covers. Because my, my whole kind of thought process was, well, even if they don't like our stuff, then at least we're playing songs that they're going to remember, that they, they can sing along to, that they like, you know? So we'll entertain no matter what, you know, like that was kind of my, my idea. So I always wanted to have some just good covers in there that uh, kind of meshed in with our stuff. So, so yeah, I guess, you know, a few here and there, and I definitely have covered a couple of my dad's older stuff that, you know, wasn't really very, you know, um, out there or successful or whatever. It's just kind of fun to pull out some stuff like that, but yeah. Well, your dad, Morris Gibb of the Bee Gees, Amazing, amazing, uh, not just amazing, legendary group. And what I love is is you carrying that legacy. Um, you know, we, we could probably go off on a million tangents, but, you know, the, the two things I especially like is, you know, you did get a chance to work with your dad. Mm-hmm. And, and then also, you know, to honor him with the MEG name. Can you kind of uh, just briefly say, you know, what projects did you get to work with him on? And, and I think, didn't he produce one or two albums that you did? Yeah, he, um, the Luna Park one was the first one we we put together um, that he was fully on where he's even played on and helped to kind of help harness what we were doing, I guess. Um, and just kind of figure out wh- what we liked. What He was so good at just letting us figure it out, you know, not telling us what the sound should be. And he, like, I love that he was very, uh, he was very versatile in the way he wrote and the way he made music, you know, so even though there he had they had a style with the Bee Gees, he also he he did a lot of like soundtracks and things like that, and he loved to dabble. I mean, he was very into country music as well, but just dance music. I mean, you know, like there was lots lots of the bass lines because I mean he was a I mean he played a lot of instruments, but he loved the bass and he was very good with the bass. So that was um, cool to be able to learn from him and figure that out. So Luna Park. And then um, I want to say, I think Meg, uh, the Samantha Gibb project, we just put that out because that was when he had passed, but we had done a bunch of music together. So we wanted to make sure we put that out. And we'd also just started the company. It was about, I think, a year maybe after he had passed. And we put together Meg Productions um, with his initials 
um, which is MEG, um, we put that together to kind of keep his studio going and keep creating music. And kind of that's been our kind of motto is that's why we're not really, we don't really fall into a category of music, like myself and Laz as writers, like we don't really fall into a category or me as an artist, because I love all kind of styles and I like exploring it all. So yeah. You know, when <laughs> know you grow up, <laughs> sure. And when, when you grow up with, you know, uh, a father who's a, a musician, is a lot of what you learn by osmosis, you know, did, did you, you know, a lot of people take classes, a lot of people, you know, learn an instrument, but it seems like you had the opportunity to maybe like hang out in the studio and just yeah. soak up that experience when you were younger. I mean, I think when I was really young, um, I wasn't as much in the studio. I think when I was around 11 or 12 is when I, I mean, that's still young, but that's when I started kind of going in more. And that's when, you know, little, cause I also was in a little girl group before all of that with my friends when we were like 11 and 12. So that kind of started opening up little doors and my dad seeing like, oh, wow. Like she really, she's really into this and she really loves doing it because he never wanted to push what he did or mm -hmm. music on my brother or myself. And so once he started seeing that, he was just like, okay, like, you know, let's get in the studio and like, let's, you know, so I would go and watch them recording or if there's different people in the studio, I get to go and check that out. And that was amazing, you know, and then little by little we would go in and we'd have a little side studio while they were working and we have this little side, you know, bit and we'd start writing. My brother and I, we started together at first and then I had a friend kind of working and then Lazaro came into the fold. So we got to we got to do a lot of work with them. But. Mm -hmm. And now you know your studio you've set up. Like, like what what did you learn when you were younger? You know by seeing, you know these people at the top of their game in the studio. What what from that did you bring to Meg Studios when you said, hey, you know what? I'm just not just going to be a singer songwriter. I want to create this place for me to record, but also for other people to record at. I wanted to be like a, like a, I don't know, a safe space, just be able to write and, and make music. And I think especially coming out when we came out to Nashville, it, it was, you know, we'd come out to play and, and get really like kind of hone our craft. But then we got very distracted, myself and the boys even, because we were, we fell in love with all these other artists. And, uh, and all I wanted to do was like capture them and, make they put them in like you know when you see something like you see a video or a music video and it's got all the the lights and everything like that and you see all of a sudden the artist and this glowing light and I wanted to give them that glowing light because their voices and their I mean their music was amazing so all of a sudden we just completely went into that world of just wanting to work with other people and write for other people and uh, that's kind of, I think that's where it really started for, for Meg. We, we knew we were going to open the studio there, but we weren't sure even like how we could work with other people. But that was, that was, I guess, the, the beginning of that it, with, with media, with how we can help them build their brand or like, okay, what can we do to help you with, you know, um, I don't know, just writing a press release or just things like that, just being able to be helpful and uh and to give them a space to make music in well it seems yeah. like you don't do anything in a small way 
<laughs> like when, like when you come to town, you don't just sing, but you open a studio, you make a documentary. Like, have you always just dove in and just done big things? No, you know, no. I think that Nashville was probably the. It was. It was kind of like a. I don't know. It was huge. I just know that as soon as I once we started driving in through the mountains when we first at the first day coming in, I just remember thinking to myself that I felt at home. And that was strange for me because I, I, you know, I grew up in Miami my whole life. And I mean, England as well. So I could call that my my home as well. But I just never, never left. And that leaving and not even knowing what I was going into, that was pretty, it was pretty powerful to feel that comfortable, you know? And I, so, I guess that's where it's, yeah, sorry, go ahead. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so a few years ago, you know, one, one of your incarnations, uh, the Gibb Collective, was reading up on that. And it was so intriguing that each of the Gibb brothers had one of their children in it. Like, you know, you were uh, Morris's child and then Barry's. Uh, I'm trying to think. Didn't like uh, Rob Robin's son, Spencer, and Barry's yeah. son. Was that Stephen? Yeah, it, uh, it was Peta, my uncle Andy's daughter, mm -hmm. um, my brother, which is the eldest son of my, my dad and myself. Um, there was Stephen, who's the eldest of my uncle Barry, and Travis, his younger son. Um, he was on there as well. And then from Uncle Robin, there was uh, Spencer, as well as his younger son, um, RJ, Robin John. Oh, wow. So this was, you're almost like the Osmonds. Well, yeah, and actually, my aunt Barry, as she sadly she, she passed um, the other not not too long ago, but um, she was on there as well, which is uh, their sister. It's uh, she was adopted by my grandmother and is there. This was was my dad and my uncle's sister, so she was on that as well. Well, besides just being able to cover, you know, your your father's and uncle's songs, w was there something special about that connection, that bond you had as cousins? I think so. I mean, we all, it was, it was really cool because the concept kind of came and we just, like, I, I reached out to all of the family, like everybody, you know, Australia, everywhere just reached out. And, um, and it was just nice to see whoever got back and who was wanting to do it. And it was really just a matter of like, you know, pick, pick one of your, your favorites and put your own spin on it. And that was kind of the concept. And it was even down to like, if you wanted to add artwork or, you know, a spoken word or so there, there was like, what, what could we do here? So there's all these different ideas and then it just unfolded into where it's covers in their own kind of ideas for the covers. I was but, really um, impressed by the song selection because there were a lot of earlier songs, a lot of ballads. There weren't a lot of the, you know, obvious pop hits. Mm -hmm. And it just seemed like you all picked things that were more personal. Yeah. No, absolutely. I think every every song meant something meaningful to each one, you know. Mm -hmm. So, like for uh, for Uncle Barry, uh, I, I love that you toured with him uh, mm -hmm. on his mythology tour, mm -hmm. and through the magic of YouTube, I was looking at some videos, and mm -hmm. there's just this great moment when he did the song "Immortality," which mm -hmm. uh, I think had a slideshow and like a tribute. Uh, uh, to his brothers, to his family. Yeah. But there was another um, video I saw where the two of you, you came, you know, front and center with Barry and you did uh, How Can You Mend a Broken Heart? But then you mm -hmm. started it with 
a, a few lines from The End of the World, the old yes. Peter Davis song, which I loved. And mm -hmm. how did that all come together? That was actually one of my dad's favorite songs. And okay. my uncle and I talked about it. And well, he, he had mentioned, he's the one who mentioned it. And uh, we had talked about, because we were figuring out keys of uh, what key to do it in, um, because obviously with different ranges, but it ended up that I was able to go to the higher. So it was good. And once we got the key, it was just like, you know, I know your dad loved end of the end of the, of the world. Would you want to do that song as like a little, just a little bit at the beginning. And I'm just like, let's just try. And so I tried it and we're just like, loved it. And we're just like, okay, let's lead that in. And that was really it. It was just, just a little like kind of nod to my dad in that way, you know? What's it like to be on a big tour like that? It's, it's, uh, it's amazing. It was, it was, uh, it was crazy, but it was really, really fun. Um, I love hanging with the band and everything. So that's always just fun times. And I got to take my family. So, you know, I you can't beat that. Like my, my son was just turning two on the first round and the guy got the, it was actually kind of funny cause we went to this big event, um, in Redcliffe. Um, that was for, it was, they were doing some monuments and stuff there for my dad and my, my uncle Barry and everybody. So there was all these people and it's my son's birthday. We get out of the car and there's all these people like, yeah, clap. but my uncle of course was like right in front of the car getting out. And so I just looked at my husband. I'm just like, Oh, I'm like, I really hope he doesn't think this is how every birthday is going to go. <laughs> <laughs> like, are we sending a bad message right now? <laughs> well, you know, even though, you know, both your dad and Barry, I'm not sure about Robin, but, you know, we're living in Miami. Yeah. What, did it feel good to get back to the roots on this tour? Because didn't you spend a lot of time in both Australia and the UK? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Australia was incredible because I, I mean, I've only been there once before in my life. And uh, so that we got and I didn't get to do as much. We only went to like Sydney and got to see a couple places but this time it was like we were just we got to spread it out and go to different places and explore more and uh and that was really cool so i think that was and and uk i mean i i spent a lot of time growing up in the, in england too so i mean it's always fun going there and i got to see a lot of family so that's really nice mm -hmm. now is it true that ringo star was your neighbor in miami was he I think Eric. I thought Eric Clapton was. Eric Clapton. Eric was on there. Um, hello. I know J Lo was for a bit too down that road. Um, let me. Think. I. You know what? I don't know, but I do know. I think he was in England because my dad and him were buddies. So I, like, I have old footage of them like in the in the backyard, like dressing up oh. and like. I bet you're right. Which, I it's bet actually it was out. There. It's it's actually out there because I remember seeing the yeah. video and being like, how did. Who posted that? Because I'm like, I that's like a old video that we had. So, but um, but yeah, there's yeah, he he him and Ringo were, were good good buds at least back when they were younger, when he was like in his twenties and stuff. So when I read about Morris, he loved the Beatles, and mm -hmm. and I loved hearing his stories about how he loved uh, Paul McCartney and the bass, and that mm -hmm. when you know he'd hear the bass lines, he would want to copy that and incorporate that into his music. Oh yeah. Yeah, he was a big fan, as am I, too. I mean, Beatles, you know, Paul and John specific. I, I'm definitely more, I think, more of a John lover, but I, I love them all, so. 
Well, when you were growing up, besides, you know, hanging out in the studio, who was like the one person in that world, in those circles that, you know, really gave you good advice or really inspired you? My dad, <laughs> honestly. I didn't mm -hmm. really get a lot of, of, of advice. I mean, you know, people give you advice and stuff or try to tell you stuff, but I think the most solid came from my dad, to be honest. Sorry, go ahead. I was just going to say, and what was some of the best advice he gave you? Just, uh, I can I can open the door, but it's up to you whether you're going to stay, stay there or not. So you you got to put the foot in there. Like, if you want to stay in that door, it's up to you. But I can I can help open a door, but it's up to you if you're going to stay there. So, And, and I know, and, and some people <laughs> have trouble with that. You know, when you have such famous parents and you want to, you know, move on. You know, I think it's so great when I see someone like, you know, Diana Ross's daughter, mm -hmm. Tracy Ross yeah. Ellis, who kind of like I you were her. saying, she got the open door, but she did something unique with it and, you know, has made she her worked. own name. She worked and, hard and that's what you got to do. And it seems like that's what you're doing. But, you know, what's been that biggest challenge? Because everyone say, oh, wow, you know, th this would be such a, a great, um, you know, jump start on a career. But. There must be some challenges to that too. I mean, there there are lot, lots of challenges. I I think it's uh, it's you know it's a little more. Sometimes it's challenging when people assume that there's a lot of help there, or that you know that I just can make things happen, or you know. So I don't know. I guess like with my uncle or things like that. Just because I went on a tour with him, that he's supposed to be helping me, or that I'm you know, I should be doing something collaborative with him. It's it, Those are kind of challenges when I deal with that kind of stuff coming at me, whether it's people in the business or whether it's just fans, you know? But mm -hmm. uh, otherwise, I mean, it's, I mean, I don't know. I guess just, I don't know if I'm answering the question correctly. I'm trying to like. <laughs> well, it's probably an ongoing thing. I, I think the thing that impresses me is you're not afraid to try, you know, different styles or, you know, if you get like a musical influence. So I noticed some of your music is more pop oriented. And now mm -hmm. maybe the, the folk country influence of Nashville creeps in. And I think that's interesting that, you know, you, you feel free to still experiment with styles. I think it's, I think it's important to, like, just for me personally, it's important too. Cause I like, I really, I'm, I, I just, I, I don't know. I guess there's a lot to my personality. Like I don't just have one solid, like a uh, genre, you know, I just think that there's cool stuff in everything. So, I mean, even for instance, like on the Gib Collective thing, when I did the song with my cousin, Travis, which is um, Barry's younger son, um, he does more EDM and dance music. So he did, um, I got to get a message and I, he, I did the vocal for it. And then he got to create this really cool track out of just this like little vocal, you know, of part of the line of the song. So like, I love that kind of, I just love mm -hmm. making music, you know, and, and hearing how it comes out, you know, just the whole process of it and that it's always not the same. Well, you got, you yourself did kind of a reverse of that. Instead of taking an acoustic song and going dance, you took a dance hit uh, that that your dad and uncles did for uh, Yvonne Element, If I Can't Have You, and you did oh, like yeah. the stripped down acoustic version. Yeah. I liked it too. I, I really thought, you know, when you have a good song 
it lends mm -hmm. itself to different arrangements and different styles of music just because the writing is so good. Mm -hmm. Well, and that's yeah. I always felt with that song, it's 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 kind. I kind of there was something too with also with you win again, which is it's definitely it's like more eighties the the song itself, but it's more you know move. I don't, I don't know if it's a dance song, but it's definitely it was done different when I I, I did it a, a cup for a couple shows on the tour. And I just did this entire broken down version of it where it's just like, um, like just, I don't know, I can't really explain it, but it was just, it might be out there if you ever stumble on it. But that was, I, I liked being able to hear just the song because sometimes like with the drums or whatever it is, you're not getting that full, that full experience. And I guess I felt that way with that song as well. Sometimes it's like, there's a lot of bells and whistles, like, dun, 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 dun. you know, it's, it's, it's great and it's fun, but it's also, there's a lot that it's like, if you just bring it down and you just hear the song itself, it's really just a really nice song. So this past winter, you put out a Christmas song called Christmas in a Small Town. Mm -hmm. And you had a video and it was very charming. And I definitely, detected some Nashville influence. And I, I think what's so fun is to see some of your earlier stuff when, you know, the alt, alt rock persona of Samantha Gibb. And it's almost like, you know, is there a little mellowing has, you know, Nashville kind of made you a little more traditional now? Well, to be, I mean, to, in all fairness, the song was actually written by Kyle, Kyle Jacobs and Tony Wood. So we, I didn't write that one. That's not actually our, our writing, but um, our friend, he's actually a good friend of ours, Kyle, and we were talking and we, you know, we actually did uh, Spiraling. I don't know if you heard that song, but that's a song we put out last year, I think earlier last year. But yeah, so that came out and it was written with Kyle, Kyle Jacobs, and uh, we kept wanting to do another song together. And then it was coming around Christmas time and Laz and I were talking about doing a Christmas song. We're like, oh, I think it's cutting. We're coming it short, you know, to, to putting it out. And then Kyle was like, I did a Christmas song. Like, I, we've never put it out or anything. I wrote it with Tony Wood, amazing songwriter. I'll just send it to you and just see what you think. So he sent it to me and he was singing on it. And I was just like, I'm like tearing, just listening to it. I'm just like, do you want to do what this? Like, what what can we do? How I want to cover it. Like, how can we do that? And he's just like, you just do it. Just do you. Like, I just, you, you cover it. And he's like, it's never been out. Like, I've never released it. So it's fine. And we contacted Tony. And there was a couple, um, just because I'm personally not a very religious person. I'm, I'm not religious, really. So there was some little words that I just wanted to exchange so that it wasn't as um, as religious, I guess, like in the sense of like Christmas time. I just wanted to be more about the season, not so much about um, a specific, you know, um, I don't know, I guess like Jesus, or I just didn't want it to have a specific names and stuff in there. So there were a couple of changes. Uh, Tony was absolutely cool with it. Uh, Kyle was cool with it. And then we went in, recorded it, and Kyle's playing on the piano, which it's incredible. and. He's the one in the video too. Uh, if you did see the video, he's in there as well. Mm -hmm. And, um, but yeah, so I, I was just grateful to, to do the song and to be able to cover it because so, it was just, it, it hit my heart and it reminded me of growing up in England and everything. So, cause I grew up in like, it, it was Esher, Esher Surrey, which is a very small kind of just outside of London um, little town. So it just really brought me back. 
And a few years ago, you did another, I guess, winter theme seasonal song called Memories. Seemed like a nice oh, companion yeah. <laughs> piece to that. Yeah, that one was us. Yes, that was, that was Laz and I. Mm -hmm. Do you think maybe because you spent so many Christmases in Miami that it was kind of nice to have a traditional Christmas, maybe even one where it would like snow in the winter? Oh, yeah. And well, we in, when I was growing up, we would spend summers and winters, sometimes spring we'd come, but it was usually summers and winters were in England. And then it was like school time was when we were in Miami. So that was kind of how I grew up. So I did get to see those winters. So that's, you know, th those were really special, you know? The, be the best of all worlds. Well, I want to go back to your documentary, A Nashville State of Mind, which you did a while back, but, you know, it mm -hmm. did some film festivals, got a lot of acclaim. I'm just yeah. wondering for you, well, what has carried with you for that? Like that was like a crash course to like interview people <laughs> who are already there and make connections. Are there people from that documentary that, you know, you made some pretty long lasting connections with? I'm definitely friends. Like I, we're, we're connected through like, you know, with Instagram or whatever, we, we kind of support through, through those networks. Um, uh, Jeremy Lister's probably the one that I stay closer to, but like, even that, like, it's just different lot, you know, we're all just in different places. Um, but definitely good people, a lot, a lot of love for all of them. A lot of them are doing really well now. And like, <laughs> I mean, there was one, one guy, our friend Ian, who's now Ian Fitchick, who is, he works with Casey Musgraves and uh, Daniel Tashin as well, who he's actually in the film and he's one of the workers also with Casey and they've just won a bunch of awards and I'm just so happy for just seeing them flourishing and Ricky Young, who's now in the Wild Feathers and has been touring and doing amazing things, just Lee Nash, just blowing up. It's just, there's really, really cool. It's it's nice watching, even, even if it's from afar, I'm just really proud of all of them and just, I'm glad I got to experience filming and working with them for this little bit of time, you know, just uh, a little moment in time to kind of capture. If you made a follow-up documentary today and talk to the new crop of, of performers and songwriters in Nashville, how do you think it would be different? Oh, wow. I think it's so different now. I mean, even with just with social networking, all of it's so different. I mean, back then it was just like, just make sure you text all your friends. You know what I mean? There wasn't, it was, yeah, there was face, it was, there was that stuff, but it was just wasn't as, I don't know. Um, I don't know. It's, it, it, it took a lot. I mean, even doing when, once it was finished, I was so proud and so happy it was done, but also at the same time, it was a lot of, it took a lot out of me. You know what I mean? So I think if I were to, to embark on that, I would definitely need some help. <laughs> uh, but I think, you know, um, I would probably just try to honestly revisit all those people and see where they are now. That would mm -hmm. probably be my, my way of going into it because they're all, they're, there's so much that's going on. Even if it, they're not, you know, winning an award, they're doing really incredible things. Like uh, my friend is doing the great ch uh, children's music and doing some really amazing stuff. It's, it would just be nice to revisit all of them. Because one thing about Nashville, if you hire like session musicians, 
they're like some of the best musicians and we <laughs> always connect you know a brand name or you know oh, a star name you know unless you have this brand name people you know don't know who you are but the thing about nashville you hire some studio musicians they're probably better than half the professional people that are brand names out there oh yeah they, they just sometimes it's like even just not having the means or not being able to have the time to get out because they have to work this other job. I mean, yeah, it's it's pretty I mean, you literally you, you go to the store and you're talking to somebody and you're all of a sudden talking about music and they have a band and I'm exchanging Instagram information and like, oh, let me know, you know, because there, there's just and and what's what's incredible and what's really cool is that just those that random person right there that you just talked to for five minutes, when you see them get on stage, they're wailing. Like you, like you're just like blown away. You know, you're just like, who, what? You know, like you just, you were just bagging groceries, dude. This is amazing. Like why, what? Like, how are you doing this? And how, how is that happening? You know? So Chase the Jaguar, mm -hmm. is, is that like an artist that you developed with Meg Studios? We, yeah, we, we helped, we were helping to with, uh, working with them and they're incredible. These two brothers, just incredible. They, they, they had a band, but the two brothers, um, the Sebastian, the Fox brothers, they, um, I've known them for, since I was young and, uh, they were wanting to kind of branch out and they had, uh, three songs to do. We did an EP and, uh, help produce and put them, put them out and everything. But unfortunately it was it's sad because the world we live in now, it's not just, you, you can't just play a lot. And then all of a sudden, you know, it, it happens. You have to be really socially media active as well. You have to be kind of um, sharing things and kind of, it's, it's really, it's crazy to me, but it is what it is. You know, sadly, in my, in my opinion, it sucks. It sucks because you can still have all the talent and do all the work on the the one side but you might not be very social media savvy and you're gonna it's gonna hinder you you know it's it's crazy that that is even down to check marks and things like that like i'm struggling to get a check mark like i'm just mm -hmm. it's and it's not because i want to have that verify i don't feel i need a verification but when i reach out to people or someone say i met with my dad or i met with just growing up i'm reaching out to them and they're not going to think twice if there's not a check mark when I'm talking about my dad or things like that. Like, so I, I said, I'm like, you know, it's it's difficult because I want to collaborate. I want to reach out to people or people that I've met in the past. But I do the same thing. I mean, if somebody reaches out and I start reading a little bit and they don't have a check mark, I'm like, I'm not I'm not going to believe that they are who they are. It's it's sad. And it is it, that's what's going on. But. I'm kind of like, man, you know, just like these check marks. Why, why do they mean so much? And it's unfortunate because I do have a background name. I'm not, I know I'm not famous and I'm not, you know, I'm not on doing, you know, shows or whatever, but it's, I still work hard and I'm just trying to get my music out. And just with that, I can't get, I can't be able to um, get kind of the, the acknowledgement, the fact of who, that I am who I am, <laughs> you know, it's, it's crazy. Do people ever mix you up with Cynthia Gibb? Hmm. No, I haven't, gotten, <laughs> I haven't gotten that one. I've got, well, I've got mixed up with PETA before. PETA and I have been. <laughs> well, here, well, here's what's so funny with the new generation. And I really don't 
hate on the new generation because, you know, I was young once too. It's not a crime to be young. But whenever I hear young people who like don't know who the Beatles are, I go, oh, come on. And I'm, I'm just wondering, do you ever come across someone who does not know who the Bee Gees are? Absolutely. I have, a, I have an 11 year old son. Like, I mean, well, he knows because we talk about it, but I like, it's not, I think even when I was starting to grow up, it's like, especially in America, like back when like it was like more nineties and stuff, like people weren't, you know, it, it was almost in school. It was almost like I was teased for it. So it wasn't necessarily like a, a positive. Um, mm -hmm. But because uh, yeah, on the one hand, well, isn't it weird? It's like, you know, you want to be out there on your own merits. So maybe a little anonymity is good, but then maybe when, oh, it, it wouldn't be so bad to at least have that to open a door. And then, but then they don't recognize the name. So it doesn't <laughs> open the door. So it's like damned if you do, damned if you don't. No, I mean, I got to say, like, it was after my, once my dad passed, the doors weren't opening. Like that was, you know, he, he definitely, when he was alive, it was, you know, that the people were right there. But when, when he passed, it, it wasn't the same. So I feel, um, you know, it's it's important to that. I guess that's where it's also I'm grateful, although, you know, work ethic wasn't this kind of trained, you know, mentality growing up. But I do think that because I watched my dad work and I wanted to do what he was doing, I I paid attention to that and it took a lot of work. You know, it wasn't just there. So I think that benefited me in some way um i don't know again i think i feel like i've gone off tr off track of what you asked but no no that that's that's good you know i was reading when i was reading about the gib collective and Peta had an interesting thing to say because you know her father passed away when she was so young yeah. and she was talking about when she you know discovered more about her father and when you get to a certain age when some of it more sinks in where I think she was saying, yeah, she knew her father was a singer, but then at a certain point it kind of kicked in. Oh, wow. He was really famous. Mm -hmm. And did you like have moments because you were born after Saturday night fever and after certain phases of your dad's career. So for you growing up, you, you probably got to experience like a lot of the post Saturday night fever and maybe an, a more, you know, finding his grounding and, you know, recreating himself. I think at, at the time when I was born to, it was, I mean, early, I was born 1980. So I think my brother got, he could definitely got some of the fever, you know, that period, he got to see a bit of that, but my dad overall, like, I, I think he, he definitely, like, he liked going to the movies. He liked just grilling out and like hanging out. Like, so there was, it was never, um, I never really got, that side of him it was only you know it, i i guess and and because it wasn't like the fever was going on at that time so there wasn't a lot of like i i mean i'd see people coming up and there'd be ha i'd have there would be moments but overall it was more of downtime and i think he was at that point just a working musician like and mm -hmm. that's that's that was what i got to witness was a working musician this it's just this is what these are the moves this is what you got to do go in the studio, you work from this time to this time, you come home, boom, boom. Okay, album release, this is what you do, this is the steps, and now it's like all this extra work comes in. You mm -hmm. know, but but it's, that was, I'm, I'm grateful that I, I, I got to see all that because I do think it helped me um, 
at least know some, you know, continue to have some work ethic and really know that there has to be the work in order to get where you want to go. Well, by the late 70s, the Bee Gees had so many hits. I mean, we're just dominating, you know, the pop charts and not only with their own music, but writing and producing other artists. You know, I, I'm sure there's all these records of, uh, you know, Guinness World Records of, you know, how many songs in the top five that they either did themselves or had written and produced for other people. But then there was, you know, the dry period in the 80s, you know, they're so saturated and then, you know, they had to produce for other people rather recording a lot of these songs, almost going undercover a little bit. Mm -hmm. And did you witness any of that where, you know, writing so high and now like you're saying, just being more like a working musician again? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I think just just say like when they were doing that stuff, like, sorry, say, say, can you ask it, say it again? Sorry. Oh, well, <laughs> just, just when, you know, from, you know, being superstars to just being in the studio uh, producing for Dionne Warwick and, you know, mm -hmm. writing songs for Barbra Streisand, which were also very successful, but they were, you know, not singing the lead. They were, you know, just being working musicians in the studio, which they were very good at, but it was mm -hmm. a different kind of way where, you know, it wasn't, they weren't, you know, the face of the music at that point. Yeah, I think they probably just needed that, you know? I mean, I, I would even imagine going through all of the stuff they went through, you know, just needing kind of a moment to just, just acknowledge the writing instead of, you know, judging them or what, what their music is, you know? Because the mm -hmm. fact, I mean, yeah, which it's it's crazy because I actually was listening to, I was watching a show and I heard the so a song and I'm just like, that sounds like, sounds like Uncle Barry, that sounds like the Bee Gees. Like I haven't heard the song. And I checked and it was Marley Pert Drive, which is from the Odessa album. And I, I'm not as familiar. I've listened to it a few times, you know, I, I listened to it, but it was just not as familiar. And I was just like, this is a really cool song. Like shit, very country, super country. And uh, so I think, you know, um, oh, God, I lost my thought again. <laughs> well, well, see, one thing that the Bee Gees, uh, when they started going incognito for other people, you know, they created the country classic Islands in the Stream yeah. you know, with Dolly Parton, Kenny Rogers, and that alone should give you a ton of cred in Nashville. Me? Oh, well, just just I think, <laughs> I, th I, th I think <laughs> the get the give name in in Nashville just because you know however many degrees of separation, I mean that was pretty major and it was I think so cool for them to go from, you know, being branded at, you know from the disco era to writing a country classic. Mm -hmm. I mean, is that I mean, cool? I... Do you think that's where you got maybe your your genre, you know, uh, without boundaries? I don't think it was necessarily just from that. Like I said, like growing up, like my dad, Hold Her In Your Hand was a song that my dad would do when I was probably like eight years old. And I remember him coming home and showing the video and that's a full on country song. So mm -hmm. I, I feel it's always been rooted. Hence maybe why when I did come to Nashville, there was this automatic feeling of feeling at home. And especially when sitting around a bunch of musicians and you're just passing a guitar around, this energy that I felt like was just this, this was, this is what helps me grow. This is what's going to make me better. You know, this is a beautiful, amazing, uh, amazing thing. And I think that it was, 
yeah, sorry, go ahead. <laughs> well, during that lean period when, you know, U.S. radio wasn't playing the Bee Gees as much in, in the 80s, they had a huge hit in the U.K. for Whom the Bell Tolls. Mm -hmm. uh, have you ever wanted to record that? Um, I love the song. But it's never, it's not been necessarily a song that's like was one that I was drawn to to doing. You know, mm -hmm. I think, like I said, like a lot of what I would all try to do is I'll pull out, like I'll even try, like I've been searching through like old tape stuff and everything like that, like just things that I've had for years, and you know, Laz and I kind of sit with and just different writing and and see if there's something there that we can use. And like Railroad, it had come out, but it just it kind of got put under the radar. So we were just like, let's let's do like Railroad because it's not something that people are very familiar with, and. Mm -hmm. um, and that's kind of, yeah, I've kind of gone that that way around it because the idea of if there's music out there, it's like it's like with all with his studio. Like that's why when when he passed, we wanted to create Meg Productions and the studio because we can't let all this just go to waste. Like we, we have to. And I want musicians in here using this, you know, like I want I want, you know, people playing. On the, we have the piano from the studio. I'm like, I want them to feel the experience of playing on this piano to play those guitars, you know, um, <laughs> and get inspired by it you know because musicians we love that shit like that's so cool like who played that like that's it inspires you so i i i wanted to keep a place in a safe space like that and i love making and pulling some songs that are those little 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 gems that i remember and trying to just make sure that some people can hear them like don't forget those ones and those are these are some cool little like i think wildflower uh, wildflower was another one that we're we're wanting to do Oh, very good. Well, we're going to enter our home stretch here, but before we wrap up, still have a few more questions, but uh, before we do, I want to make sure people know where to find you. And I know you're on, on different social media. So, you know, where's the place to not only hear and buy your music, but just to, you know, read up on you. I know you um, have a, a really extensive website and, you know, really good bio there. Is there any other places you like to hang out online? Um, I guess, you know, Facebook, Instagram, I'm typically on, um, uh, definitely, you know, Spotify. Oh, well, I mean, those are just the streaming, streaming places where you can hear, hear music and stuff. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, websites always good, but definitely Facebook or Instagram. Um, yeah, those are, those are good ones. Excellent. Well, I suggest YouTube because then they can Oh, find of course. <laughs> YouTube. And if they of dig course. deep, they will find you uh, doing a song called Bottled Up Love Performed in the Smoky Mountains. Wow. That was actually written with a, with, well, a, a very great friend of mine sent me lyrics and sadly he passed away and he sent me the lyrics on Valentine's Day and he wanted to write a country song. And so we turned it into that song. And uh wow. Oh, wow. It's actually really sweet because all, yeah, like everything for that song too, we're saving all the proceeds for his daughter, who's, I would say she's at seven years old now. So when she turns 18, hopefully we'll have a little, little nesting for her. <laughs> oh, that's, that's a great tribute. And I don't know, I, I, I think, you know, you've got, you've got your edginess, but there seems to be a very sentimental side to Samantha Gibb. Oh, I'm way, I'm very... I'm a very emotional person. <laughs> I even I, I'm tearing. I just just saying that I got teary. So, yeah, but mm -hmm. yeah. But that but that's the, that's the power of music. Yes. 
And it seems like, could you ever do anything else but music? I mean, I, I like doing lots of things, but I think as a, as what I want to do with my life, like in that field, absolutely no. I, I definitely, music is, it just kind of vibrates through me. I don't know. Like, I, I don't think I could change that. You know, it just, it's just. Who you are. Me. Yeah. Now, now, do you have kids? I do. I do. I have a son. Okay. Now, how do you pass on music to your son? He is actually singing on, he's on the chorus of the song of Good Lovin'. What was that like to work with him? It was awesome. He's he's amazing. I mean, he is just, uh, he's still figuring out what he likes to do. He's definitely, he's doing violin right now. And he's he's digging that. And of course, like, it was like, why is he not doing guitar? Like, I'm like, because he wants to do violin, man. Like, let the kid live. Like, <laughs> he just wants to try violin. So mm -hmm. we'll see, you know, like, he's just starting to get into sports. He's about to go out, I guess, in, in Nashville, or at least in Tennessee, I guess, fifth grade is, uh, he's going now into middle school. So fifth grade is considered middle school here. Okay. So he just graduated, and now he's going into, like, fifth to eighth, and, uh, and getting to do a lot more things, especially with music and and even with drama or just, just all the arts and stuff. So I'm I'm excited for him to kind of see what he likes. But he he had fun, like well, just just kind of getting him in the studio. Like even when he was little, he loved having a microphone and give him a drumstick and a microphone. He was a happy kid. <laughs> well, in Nashville, is it a violin or a fiddle? It depends on where you are. It depends on if you, it, yeah, it depends on if you're in a bar or if you're in a concert hall. Isn't that crazy? I just figured, exactly. that, I just found this out. Yeah, I just found that out. <laughs> He'll probably get more gigs in Nashville if he does it as a fiddle. Yeah, he just, yeah, exactly. Well, it's what's <laughs> great because his teacher is, she's uh, incredible and she does all, like, she does different work for, with fiddling as well as the viol, you know, the viola and the violin. Like, she does all of it. So she's, it, it's it's funny because he just wants to like you know any like YouTube songs or like you know I'd be like sheesh that's it on the beach and he's just like that's <laughs> that's what he wants to learn I'm like dude whatever's gonna inspire him and that's great you know the new generation has to forge their own sound yeah and it's just but, to in, encourage you know like let them figure things out you know and exactly well that's so cool that you can work with him and you know he could be part of your thing and learn learn what mom does <laughs> i mean he's into both like dad dad does film and and you know he's definitely very visual and he loves to create videos too so we'll see we'll see what he what he falls into excellent mm -hmm. all right so before we talk about your new upcoming song this fall i i just you have to indulge me on a couple more name dropping so Tell me if this story is true, because uh, I, I read it on Wikipedia, so who knows. But so your Uncle Barry, uh, back in 2006, bought a home in Nashville that once belonged to Johnny Cash and his wife, June Carter Cash. And while he was remodeling it, it burnt down. Yes, that is true. Well, yeah, gosh, yeah. He, he could have been your neighbor. You could have hung out with Barry in Nashville. Well, we, well, I mean, we're, we're friends. It's not like I don't talk to him, you know, like I can definitely, we're, <laughs> it's not like we're not close. It's just a matter of like, I can't, like, I'm not going to set you up with this, you know, his schedule. Like some people will ask me and stuff. I'm just like, I don't talk and like, this is not 
but no, yes, he, uh, he got the house out there, um, loved the house. Uh, and actually I got to go out there because when we were filming a natural state of mind, uh, me and the crew and the film crew and everybody, we all went out there to see if we could film out there. Cause my uncle was like, it's okay. You know, like you can use the property. Cause we thought it'd be really amazing, you know? And, and especially for these artists, like that would have been epic for them to be able to go and just sit and like jam on like right where, like in June, where June Carter was and like Johnny Cash that is just incredible. So we went out there and we saw the place left. And I think about a week or something later, everything, oh no. We went there after it was after it burned down and the property was already flattened and they were getting ready to sell it. Sorry. That was a, that was totally. Yeah. Oh but we, we were able to go to like the June's June's garden and all that was still safe and everything. And like the walk down to um, where I guess he had like a little boat or something. It was a little boathouse place, but that wow. was there. We were able to walk around, but yeah, it was after it was actually after. And afterwards, I think, you know, it was just, my uncle didn't feel it was right to, to build something new and do all that on it. So I think he, he sold it. But, uh, See, so yeah. I just pictured all these barbecues you could have had sitting on the <laughs> front porch, drinking, you know, sweet tea and all that. Oh, well, it, it was, it was incredible. Be. It was incredible energy there though. I must say it was definitely be a beautiful piece of land. Okay. Sad what happened. All right. Well, before we talk about the new song, one last thing, and here I thought, you know, I knew a lot. I learned one little detail about your dad. And this mm -hmm. is, of course, all before you were born. But he was once married to Lulu. Before your yeah. mom, he was married to the uh, Scottish singer Lulu. Yeah. And I didn't know that. Yeah. So you learn something new. So <laughs> I just, I the music industry is just so interconnected. And the deeper you go... There's always these connections and it's just forever fascinating. I mean, do you just ever get fascinated by just all, you know, if you made a graph of who knows who, who worked with who, and, you know, it's just a very fascinating how everyone's out there just coming across everyone. I think music is really the only industry where you just come across so many people, whether you're touring, recording. I mean, have you found that in your career? Yeah, absolutely incredible people and just it, it, people that inspire you which is incredible you know just uh yeah i mean i think i think you can i mean you meet people in all kind of walks but definitely there's there's some cool experiences within that world because again it, i mean it's a world that especially if you are successful in it there's a lot of travel there's a lot of people there's a lot of action so if if you're paying attention, there's some really amazing and beautiful moments and all that, you know. Well, you've toured in uh, England in the past, mm -hmm. done mm -hmm. some cool gigs in London. Do you think at this point in your life, you're ready for another London trip? Um, a London trip? Absolutely. Um, but a tour, it, it, you know what it what it would really boil down to is just having it taken care of for me. Cause I've, I've done a lot of that legwork. Like I had, I did the management of touring. I've done the booking of touring. I've done a lot of the, those aspects. And 
it's it was great and fun um when we did that tour actually at the end of it i found out i was pregnant so i realized why i was so tired (laughs) but having but doing all of that and just kind of having to go into the room talk to the people get everything set up and then i have to go back get ready and go on stage it was it was a matter of working those two those two um wearing those two hats or the few hats that you wear when you have to do something like that it it does wear on you so I would I would be absolutely open for if there was help involved, you know. So mm-hmm. that's. I don't know. I'm always stuck thinking of the swinging '60s, you know. And it's funny how in England they kind of have their revival every 20 years or so. There's always like a new British invasion in the U.S. Mm-hmm. of the new sounds coming over here. So it just seems like one of those places to like soak up a lot of inspiration. Where in you in England? In England, yeah, yes, yeah, especially yeah. L- London. Well, is there any special place that you go to for inspiration? Do you like head over to Austin, Texas, or you know, what are your special places to inspire you? Um, I, I, to be honest, I really love Saint Augustine. If we're gonna like name a, a place that I love and I feel very kind of um, inspired and my head feels clear and it can like receive things that's a, a really beautiful place i love saint augustine um okay, okay. and he, and, and honestly in nashville it's just being here is inspiring for me it's it's I, i'm grateful that i also i'm able to have a community out here and i have you know some family out here whether it's you know the maid family or whether it's blood, it's still my family. So I, I'm grateful to have that stuff out here and to, and to be able to work and be able to just be a working musician, to be able to do what I do and just keep putting music out and be able to make that a, a livelihood for myself, you know? You did a song called Back Where I Started Again. That was an old one. <laughs> an old one. And, and it seemed like that uh, especially had a lot of meaning for you. Well, I, I mean, now, you know, it was it, it was really about a boy. <laughs> like, there wasn't much to it. It was just kind of going back in circles with this one kid that I, I liked. <laughs> That's where that one really stemmed from. So sorry, it wasn't that deep, though. <laughs> See here at the title, back where I started again, it just sounded so epic, like, you know, full <laughs> circle. You're like, well, oh, this is going to be a good story. <laughs> oh, my God. You see, I thought this, you know, was going to bring it back to, I don't know, um, something profound. But do you have a song like that? Like now when you look back, whether or not like the song itself is profound, just the time in the studio when you made it or, you know, maybe something that you worked on with your dad. Um, the bridge was pretty cool. That was pretty awesome. I got my brother and I got to write on that, and my dad as well. We we all wrote a verse, and he asked us to come in and do it, and we each got to sing on it. So it was it, that was probably, and it's the only thing I ever got to. Just it's the only time I got to really really sing with my dad. You know, like he would do mm-hmm. harmony, like Luna Park. So you'll you'll hear it. You can hear him low down there because he was, him and my brother were kind of matching and stuff and trying to build the the tra- whatever the, building the track. But anyway, um, so so yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's good that you have that. And and again, one unique thing you have, you know, the rest of us have photo albums, but you have you know songs on vinyl, you know, mm-hmm. as a as a diary. 
you know, special album. Oh, and, okay. and my dad, my dad was a big camera guy. So I actually do got, I got lots of footage at least of being able to see things through his eyes sometimes, not necessarily always on him, but it's nice seeing what he was seeing and feeling, you know? So. Do you think do you think you'd ever compile some of those photos, you know, and do something with? I th I think absolutely, yeah. I mean, I I, I kind of tend to do that. That's even with memories. That was something that we 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 did, and it was pretty cool because we had it was it was snowing. So I we at the time, my husband and I we we lived in a place that had a big barn, and up top you could flash down. So we basically lit up. So the the snow looks like a screen. So mm -hmm. we were able to project onto the snow and Laz and I were able to sit there and you see our reflect our, our us within these these videos. And it was all like old videos of, of me growing up and touring with the boys and, and my uncle Herbie, my mom's my mom's brother and just mm -hmm. yeah, good times. So definitely I think that I, I wouldn't be opposed to using and putting something together like that. It sounds like just, you know, you putting together, you know, the super band, you know, with the cousins, that there's just something about you that is the, the ringleader bringing people together to preserve your legacy. I, I don't know about that, but, but um, I, I do like bringing people together and I, it does make my heart happy. So um, I'm, I'm grateful that I've been able to do what I have thus far. Okay. Well, if not you, which of the cousins is the biggest legacy preserver in the family? You know, I would I hmm, that's a that, oh, that's a loaded question. <laughs> <laughs> and you you you, you can <laughs> ponder that. I'm sure you all in your own ways contribute meaningfully in different ways. When it comes to music, definitely um Travis Steven, Spencer, Rajay, like they're 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 making music. Like th those guys, I can't put them on any levels of of what's better or not, but I know that they're all making music and they and they do love doing it, you know. So um but yeah, I guess I, I I'm the more actively presently putting out music, but they all make music and they're all, you know, maybe they don't have something out right now, but they are worth checking out and and seeing what they're doing, you know? Oh, absolutely. So you got a lot of momentum with Good Lovin' now. So what's been the response so far? It's been good. It's been a really, I, I'm, I'm grateful with the loving response that I, because that's exactly what I wanted for it was just to have a really positive um, effect, you know? Um, there's, of course, people that are like, you know, like the Bee Gees didn't have to curse in music. And I'm like, Okay, this is why the song makes sense. <laughs> like, <laughs> this, I I'm not a BG, honey. Like that's this is let's clear oh, this no. up. You know, like it's well, it's, well. Don't tell me. Did any of the BGs curse in real life when off, off stage? <laughs> that's a funny dance. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think they'd be mad at me saying that either. <laughs> Well, now that you have momentum, that's the best time to release another song. So mm -hmm. it seems like, you know, you're you're supercharged now. You you've got some output, you know. So mm -hmm. so what's this next song and and when is it coming out? Uh the next song is Sorry Not Sorry. Um and it will be coming out. I'm pretty sure we're set I think on September. So not exact on the date, but it'll be September this year. 
See that that from the title alone sounds very sassy. <laughs> It, and it's it really the, the the irony though is that the, these songs weren't written back to back. Even "Sorry Not Sorry" is written with our friend Jennifer Aiden, so it's not even with Jim Lawton. So it, it, they are two songs we've just because we, we've been working with different artists and different writers, and these were the, the two that felt like my like my voice, like I could really, I felt like I can you know dig my teeth into because this felt like I, I my core, you know, so. This song and Sorry, Not Sorry just hit my core. And these are the two that we felt were the best to help, you know, to represent myself in in this little process of what we're doing right now. <laughs> now, is Sorry, Not Sorry a ballad or is it something more up-tempo? I mean, I hate to, I, I'm not very, like, good on, on describing, um, like, what, I feel it sounds like, but I, I, I think the one thing that Laz and I kept saying was Halls, Halsley is a little bit, it has a, a bit of that vibe. It's more of, it's like, it's slow, it's a slow, but it's, it's, there's a movement to it. So it's not, it's not a slow song, but it's also not a fast song. It's, it's that mid-tempo, I guess, is, is how to best describe it. Yeah. And are, are you going to do a video to it? We are figuring that out, actually. <laughs> we uh, we definitely want to, but we're gonna we're gonna feel it out and see how um, what kind of concepts we feel because we we know we have a little bit of time, but we also are you know it's we want to make sure every we have everything for the release. So, if you did like you know location scouting, I, I love in a video when people pick a cool location. So. Uh, is there any like cool place in Nashville you would just love to film a music video in? I mean, there's a lot of cool places. I love the railroad areas. I do. Um, and there's just a really cool, like in the gulch, not the gulch, but like uh, like the industri industrial area. I love, I love, I have a friend who has a bar out here. She's got this really cool, it's just super cool, old glory. It's awesome. Really just old building old construction she just worked it out and it's just a really cool that would be probably a cool place to shoot to be honest so like i definitely um there are there are thoughts and ideas of places mm -hmm. but those are like i guess what come to mind right now well with what you're doing individually and with meg and all your collaborators do you think you're creating a unique nashville sound and creating your own you know, niche Nashville scene? You know, that's, that's hard to say. Cause I, I mean, Nashville is very, um, they, I would never want to come into Nashville and assume that I'm creating a sound or an, you know what I mean? Like, it's just, mm -hmm. it, it would be disrespectful to Nashville and to the music and the art that comes out of here. Like, I think just if, what I did, what I'm making and the songs that I'm writing are um, relatable or connecting. And then that's, that's all that matters to me. You know, it doesn't have to be, I'm creating this big boom here in Nashville. It's just, I am grateful to be a part of the community here, to learn from it, to be able to work with the artists out here. And I just want to keep doing it. So I, I'm, I'm good either way, you know? But there's a little part of you. I, I think just, you know, the Meg, I think you're a good role model for people who 
if there's not opportunity knocking on your door, you're creating your own opportunity, you're helping other people. Do you think do you think that's a spirit a lot more people should have rather than it's all about me, you know, creating a community so that you can help each other? Absolutely. And I do I do think that it is out here, you know. I I don't think I'm the only one with that mentality. But um, I appreciate you saying that, and I do, I I do feel that way. But I I I want, I just, I feel that who I am, I just, I just want to be incorporative, and I want to make sure that we all can work together. That's mm-hmm. that's my my goal, you know. <laughs> well, I'll give you the last word here, and I think you're at a very interesting point in your career because you you've done a lot, and you've had different bands, and you know you've got to try different styles. So knowing what you know now and having almost like, you know, a fresh start, you know, a new round of songs coming out, you know, how would you like to be spending the next couple of decades of your career? Writing and honestly writing, putting out music, pitching music and spending time with my family. That's it. That's mm-hmm. that. That's what makes me happy. <laughs> And uh, and how many years do you think it'll take before you, you take to the Grand Ole Opry stage? <laughs> oh, that's that's, <laughs> that's a feat. I don't know. I, I mean, it would be an incredible, an incredible opportunity and experience. But hey, I'm I'm just making music, and the kind of music I make doesn't really fall into the Grand Ole Opry. <laughs> so, I, I mean, depending. I mean, maybe Christmas in a small town. Maybe maybe that song, but. The stuff I'm doing, it is a little different, and it's not as the tradition to Nashville, um, to a lot of the, you know, like the Opry and things like that. But maybe the Ryman, you know, I can, I can be that, that could be like a nice little goal is the Ryman, you know. I like that. And is there a full Christmas album in your future? Uh, you know what? I don't know. We've thought about it. We thought about doing where we do a couple of our, like well, Laz and I talked about writing some um, of our own songs and then incorporating a couple covers of some Christmas songs that we just thought we liked, or even just holiday songs, you know, not necessarily mm-hmm. just Christmas, because uh, I'd like to incorporate more than just one. Mm-hmm. So we'll see. We'll see. You see. And is there a chance there will be another album by the Gibb Collective? No, I'm sorry, but probably not. Just because everybody, they all kind of just do. Not everybody, but a lot are just. They they're they're not even like, they're they're not in the music industry. So mm-hmm. like for instance, like Peta, she's a teacher, you know. So she just did it because she loves, you know, just wanted to be a part of it and just was, you know, was very in love with the idea of doing this together. So I love that she did it. I appreciate so much that she did it, but I also can't like ask her like, okay, you know, take another couple months out of your life. So, you know, it's, it's a lot, it, it took a lot out of everybody. And sadly with, with that as, as well, you can't, you know, in order for things to be very successful, you have to promote them and you have to kind of, you know, really put it out there. And nobody was able to really do that except for myself and like a couple others. So it was, unless we had the whole collective, you know, people aren't really intrigued. So that was kind of the, the sad part about that, but also I'm I'm just grateful we were able to do it, and they all came together to make it happen because there there needed to be a tribute, and I'm just grateful. I like that. What well, makes it all the more special in that it's rare, uh, a yeah. unique a unique place and time. Well, 
Samantha, I want to thank you for not only sharing all this cool information, but just being inspiring, I think, to other musicians. Uh, the new single, Good Lovin', we've got another one to look forward to in a few months. Sorry, not sorry. I know you're just going to uh, tear it up on the scene just with that title alone. <laughs> Probably give Ariana Grande a run for her money. Oh, and thank you. <laughs> <laughs> and and, and, and to, just to close, to say, you know what? Every now and then, it's more than appropriate for a gib to use the F word. To curse. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Samantha. Well, take care and, and have a great day in Nashville. All right, you too. Take care. Thank you so much. I appreciate you. Thank you so much.